get up, get, get up, get up. What is up, Mets fans? Welcome back to the last regular season episode for the 2022 season of the Mets Sub Podcast, the official podcast of the New York Mets. I think this is episode 139. What a what a season it's been. A lot of, a lot of ups and downs, mostly ups, though. Mostly ups, and we ended on a good note here with a sweep of the Washington Nationals, who stink, which is good. That was a good way to end the season. I know things didn't necessarily go our way a few days ago, but to end the season with a sweep, the way that the Mets did, I think, was a good sign, especially for a lot of things to come. So, you guys know the drill here. We're going to talk about the series. We are not going to preview the playoffs because we are actually recording a special playoff preview episode that's going to come out tomorrow night. Or, no, tomorrow. Tomorrow, because this video is going to come out on Thursday. Yep, it's going to come out on Friday for you guys right before the game. Might even come out late Thursday night. Keep an eye out for that. Make sure you're following us on all our social media at MetsUp, M-E-T-S-D-U-P, on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. That way, you'll be able to know when the new episodes drop, as well as make sure you're subscribed to the New York Mets YouTube channel so you don't miss out on the video version of this. And if you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, download, subscribe, drop us a rating, drop us a review. Like I said, playoff preview episode, all things playoffs, will be talked about Friday morning, late Thursday night. Keep an eye out for that. Without further ado, let's bring in James. James, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Good day. I mean, you're bringing me in, but I really want to ask you about what it was like in City Field today because it like there was a rain delay and the weather was crappy and all the vibes going into this week weren't great. But it seemed like for those few hours, like everybody was jubilant. I got to say the vibes were really good, uh, surprisingly good. Now, of course, the stadium wasn't packed by any means, but the Mets did a really cool thing where they invited all ticket holders for the game to move their seats down and come down to field level. So field level was completely packed as if it was a sold-out game, which was really cool. And, you know, you get a lot of people out there that don't typically get to sit in those seats that now can just walk down there and get a really good spot. So it was it was definitely packed in the lower, uh, you know, field level of the stadium. But I got to say, everyone was loud. Everyone was cheering. There has been a more growing group, I feel like, recently over the past month that had become a little curmudgeon -y, a little ornery. And we've been hearing some boo birds, which I think was ridiculous for the way that this team's played. Uh, a little bit more impatient i would say a little more impatient fans that maybe don't know what it's like to be a met fan for as long as maybe some of us have i mean for me and you it's been 26 years i know people listening to this it's been a lot longer so it felt like the the people that were at the mets game tonight were really happy we're like this is an awesome mets team they're playing well they're winning we don't really care about what happened last weekend we're here to cheer it's playoff time now like as as much as it sucks and we could talk about it for, for hours about what happened past weekend. It felt like everyone kind of just got over it at this point and was like, hey, playing good baseball, going into this Padres series. Like, the vibes were really good. A lot of cheering, a lot of happiness, which was good. Yeah, and it did also feel like we kind of needed, as a team, as an organization, to just take our anger out on something. Yes. And luckily, watching Nationals were that something to have just yeah. to roll over, like, pet their belly a little bit and then just hit the ball a million, a million miles in the course of a series. But it was comforting to see after the weird rain, cold, sleety doubleheader yesterday and all of the sadness from the weekend, just that it was, there was happiness in the field today. Like Gary, uh, Gary and Ron were like talking, they were being happy on the broadcast. Keith called in for the last game of the year. It was yep. very nice. So it was, it was cool that we got through this last game and now it feels like it was kind of like just enough time for it to turn another page and now get ready for the real stuff. I also can't recommend enough if you're a Mets fan. You should be coming to the last game of the season. The Mets do a lot of really cool stuff. All the giveaways for the in-between inning stuff, you weren't there, you wouldn't know this, but 
you know how it's normally like a $20 gift card or it's like a thousand dollars off a Ford, like some of those like deals, they're still including those, but they were like, you also win a Jacob deGrom signed hat, a a Max Scherzer signed Jersey. Uh, Someone won a a full expenses paid trip to spring training for doing like the, the built tough competition out in center field. Nice. So there were some really, really cool things going on in the stadium. And I, it, if you didn't know better, you would think that this game mattered just as much as the rest of them, which is was kind of nice. It kind of needed that to just feel like we were there watching regular Mets baseball. There was no disappointment in the air whatsoever. I recall last year, you and I went to the last game of the year. I think the, we went to like the last, last, we last to the, second to last. Me, I don't know. Honestly, that night game was, against that, that remember because we went with Ernie, we sat down low and yeah, we got we a bunch did. of food and then we ran into Worthy. It was just felt I like think, a nice, it was closure. I, yes, I did. Oh. I do. Yeah, I yes, think it was the last match. Yeah, it at, least, at least the last home game. It did feel well, especially because that was the first year we were doing this show. Like we were getting, we were getting a little bit better at it. We knew the team was out of it, but we knew they put a lot of good building bo- blocks in place. Yeah, last year was in Atlanta. John's telling us right now, but we went to that last home game where Conforto cried yes. in the outfield, and it is just this nice, like, comforting feeling. Like we did this. Like this is a long time. This baseball season lasts. Like I. April, the beginning of April, that opening day when Tom Seaver's statue was unveiled, and we hung out in the box. It feels like yesterday, but Dude, it also I, feels like a million years ago. Like I can remember very, very specific things about all these days and all these games and what's gone on this season and even our experience now working with the New York Mets on this podcast. But like you said, I also go back and I'm like, whoa, like we went to this game at this time. That was this season. That wasn't last year. That wasn't two years ago. Like, yes. I mean, even the COVID season feels like it's millenniums ago because of how long this past season just felt. Last year, we didn't even have like full stands until the middle of the year. That was yeah, last com- season. And that's like completely out of my head. Like th- I felt, it felt like the season started in 2021 for me, memories wise at that Padres game, which we always bring up, which we're like, yeah. that's when we knew baseball in New York was back. Yes. The ground versus Blake Snell, which is a little bit foreshadowing, which is kind of funny. <laughs> um, God, this is crazy to think about this. It's just, I mean, also like this is also just like, I don't even know if the listeners care about this, but just for, for you and I, like so much has happened so in much. the last six months, like such an unbelievable amount since March. Like even if you go back a little further, since we went all the way out to the Arizona fall league, basically just to grab one interview and get as much content as we could just start, yeah. start the grind during the lockout and see what we can actually like provide and like give and just, Seeing it all back, we I like made a list of like my favorite games from this year, and there were a couple of them that we were at, but a couple of them we weren't. And just thinking all the way back, we each of us moved, like we've done yep. so many things, jobs, people, friends, houses. It's crazy to look back in a full baseball season and think about how much has actually happened. March, yeah. April, yeah. like oh my god, the the lockout. Do you remember the lockout? <laughs> you remember when we didn't have baseball when we didn't think there was gonna be a baseball game, a season played? That was a real thing that almost happened. That was and and thank. Honestly, it was a good thing for us because, you know, that space has helped us out a little bit. But (laughs) long, long season, long season. And it's it's all the regular season has now come to an end. And obviously, we have the postseason coming up, which, like I said, episode out tomorrow morning for you guys. We'll be previewing everything there. But, of course, we still want to talk about a little bit what happened in this series. There are some things to keep an eye out for. Some guys playing well. The bats woke up, which is nice because, obviously, when we were in Atlanta, the bats were a little... they were just hitting singles. We weren't getting a little oomph. We weren't getting that extra bang behind the ball. And the Mets uh, were swinging a lot better, which competition as well, but it's it's important to swing the bat like they did going into the postseason, I think. Definitely. It was very nice to see Brandon Nimmo and Jeff McNeil set that standard during the doubleheader. Jeff McNeil also. Shout out to Jeff McNeil, the squirrel. Friend, friend of the podcast. Batting title. Not only in the National League, the highest average in all of Major League Baseball. First Met to ever do that. Second Met to ever win the National League batting title, which is also crazy because Jose Reyes did it, what, like 
10, 11, 12 years ago. It was right before John will tell us 2011. Yeah. Right well, 11. There. All right. So I was close yeah. with 11. Yeah, I, I just want, I want to shout out um, Ryan from cousin Yuri's league. He listens to some of these that those, that double Heather from McNeil and Nimmo gave him 65 points in our fantasy matchup, won him the game. Brutal. Bittersweet for sure. The illustrious cousin Yuri's league, one of the most highly contested dynasty baseball leagues in the whole country. Doubles, right? A lot of doubles. A lot of doubles, big doubles league, huge doubles league, doubles and innings pitch. It's just the way, the way baseball is meant to be. <laughs> but yeah, shout out him because he rode McNeil and Nimmo in that game to a championship. So I, I was mad, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't really be that mad. Yeah, no, those guys played really well. Obviously, Jeff has been on an absolute tear. I think in the second half, or since his his average at one point dipped to two eighty seven at one point this year, and I think since then he's had about two hundred fifty plate appearances. I think he's hitting three eighty something. I mean, Jeff McNeil has been one of the most if they, if not the most important players on the offensive side for the Mets this year, quietly, I feel like, because Lindor and Pete get all the love. But without Jeff, I mean, Stu keeps the lineup moving, and a lot of the year he'd been hitting in the bottom of the order, and he just kept kept the line going. Part of the reason why we were able to score so many runs and get so many wins. I picked an arbitrary date. Oh, no. I screwed up my sample because I only have one hand. What well, click to allow? What did I just do? It's, what are you I'm on? Trying, I'm, trying, I'm on Fangrass. I'm trying to get uh, Jeff McNeil's batting average since, like, August 1st. Okay, yeah. Well, it looks here. tremendous. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be incredible because Jeff just, I mean, he had he won the batting title. I mean, he won the batting title. Shout out to Freddie Freeman for only going three for four today. And apparently the ball that he didn't get a hit on was hit to the warning track. He, he was really trying. Did you also? I think, I think I pulled like exactly what you were saying. It's since July 30th, 259 at-bats. Jeff McNeil has a 378 batting average. 528 slug, 425 on base, 174 WRC plus, 6.2 percent walk rate, 6.9 percent strikeout rate. I don't know if you caught this on Twitter. Uh, Dave Roberts a little call, calling out the Mets and Jeff McNeil a little bit too oh, with, for not playing. For not playing, and he was like, Ted Williams played when he was technically hitting 400 and would end the season. He played in a doubleheader. I mean, relax, Dave Roberts. The Mets. I mean, just, they, they, Dave there's bigger was, things. Jeff McNeil's played in like what 30 straight games. He needed a day. Yeah, he needed a day. He was tired. Got to get Guillaume some work. We got to get Mark Vientos in at third base. I mean, there was a lot of guys that need some time. Terrence Gordon needed to play center field. Naquin and right. Terrence Gordon getting that base hit gave me life. Eric Fetty. <laughs> that was after, I believe, the big James McCann home run. And then he gave up the hit to Terrence Gordon. Eric Fetty just looked like, what is <laughs> like, going on? What, what why am I still here? Why am I still pitching? What's wrong? I can't believe this just happened. I mean, I know he beat us recently, so it doesn't sound as good. But man, oh man, watching that guy pitch, pitch, he's he's a real stinker. John's killing us with stats right now. Jeff McNeil's only struck out six times in his last 150 plate appearances, and has not struck out in 50 consecutive plate appearances. He's so good, Tony Gwynn. What's up? <laughs> that he had no whips on 20 sw- 28 swings. That's all you need to know. Game. Oh my goodness gracious! We also have to shout out Francisco Alvarez. He hit his first career home run, first oh, career yeah. hit on Tuesday night, followed up with a double as well. Bomba, in that game, absolute two, nuke. Just both of them were smashed. So far, smashed. One was 107.8 miles an hour. One was 100 over 108 miles an hour. 19th met this season. I have two bat, batted balls in one game over 107 miles an hour. This was only the fifth game of his career he was active for. 19th or 9th? 19th. John said 9th before. He hit me with the 19th in the chat. Okay, big, important, because I remember hearing 9th somewhere. Yeah, Francisco yes. Alvarez, uh, this will be as much as I talk about the postseason. He should be on the roster. He should be on the roster. The dude swings the bat so well. Here. He swings the bat so, so well. He's And, like, even in game three today, again, it's against Eric Fetty and such, whatever, but he worked two good walks, too. Like, I've been really impressed with – I know, like, the Atlanta series, 
He was maybe a little over-aggressive, and that's what's going to happen when you put a 20-year-old in the most important series of a season for a guy who's also just like a free-swinging, like, I'm overly excited to begin with anyway. But also, it wasn't – I mean, now we're talking back about the Atlanta series. We didn't really break any of those games down because we were just so beleaguered yeah. by the time we got to the studio. But he at least most of the time – there were a few, but I remember specifically the Kenley at-bat on Friday night that a lot of people did take issue with. Those were all pitches in the strike zone. Like those yes. are all pitches that if you don't swing at them, they're going to be a, a called strike. So like, yeah. just get your cuts in, and like that's what he did. Sure, he didn't catch up to them because Kenley Jansen is one of the best relief pitchers of our generation. So he knows how to get a twenty year old out, but I wouldn't. <laughs> there was there was nothing. That, everything that Francisco Alvarez has done his first week in the major leagues has given me more confidence in him moving forward. Did, did, it seems did, like did, he, he knows how to like shrink the zone. Like you can kind of tell like when you're watching a hitter, what parts of the strike zone that seems like they own. He's and looking yes. for what's what he's dialed in on. And that's something that we've talked about in past episodes, like last year, where we're like, the this was a last year thing, but like the Mets didn't make mistakes, like p- pitchers pay for their mistakes. Francisco Alvarez has his spot. You throw it there, he is not missing it. And like, again, this is probably another function of him being 20 years old and having only a few hundred at bats above a ball. But that's, that's the difference between like Kyle Wright and Max Freed and Kenley Jansen and Eric Fetty and Paolo Espino. Yes, for sure. And what we're going to see next series is going to be closer to the former, mm-hmm. of course. But now we have confidence. Yes, now we now have, we have some juice. He's feeling it. He had another, you know, good game again today in game three. Scored a couple runs, which is great. Catch him behind the plate. We'll see how it goes for Francisco. But uh, definitely looks ready. Uh, it was nice to see Canna as well. Start to swing the bat a little bit after he struggled. Turned on one. I, haven't, I don't remember the last time Canna turned on a ball like that for some power. He's usually... He's a gap man, I feel like normally, but he turned on a ball, hit a nice home run, big hit Jim with the home runs. I mean, big you mentioned big hit Jim at first base. Yeah, big hit Jim at first base. He was a uh, three for four tonight. I know John's been foreshadowing that a big hit's coming for James McCann in the playoffs. I'm all in on it. Let's see it. I'm happy for it. It is though also, I think, the biggest one. We started with him, but Brandon Nimmo being the table setter with power yep. at the top of the order, just without, we just know, see, not seeing Stalling Marte in this lineup that you need a little bit more pop from everybody. To yeah. kind of carry that load and just seeing him really get around the ball, hit a ton of extra base hits, have RBIs, two out like two out hits. Him, he he has within his range of outcomes to be the best player on this team on any given day. Oh, 100%. Like, that's the truth. So, and the playoffs are kind of, and we've seen this before, about basically some guy, like you got to steal games. Yep. And if one guy can get hot enough to steal you a game or two, and it looks like there's a couple guys in the lineup who have that propensity, like that really changes wh- what you can do and how far you can go. And I think that is a possibility for Randomo, just seeing the way he torched the Nationals this week. And he oh. was not that he was lost in the Brave series, but he wasn't just hitting it hard. But he, look, he was like on it. He wasn't swinging and missing. He was just making poor contact. And you can kind of see it after that home run during the double header the first one that he like looked back at the dugout. He was like, Oh, I found it. I'm, I'm like, back. The stroke baby. I'm back. back. Yeah. I mean, Brandon Nimmo Loki again, quietly, he's got to be one of the most underappreciated players in baseball. I really For believe sure. that because his defense is phenomenal. And offensively, he has been incredible. He's been really, really good. He's finished his year with 16 homers, 274 average, 367 on base, 433 slugging four and 800 OPS. That's usually the number that you go to. And in a year where the OPSs are down, it's even better I mean, like, just look at his numbers in general since he really got called up 2017 since then till 2022. We're looking at a guy who has an 833 OPS, OPS plus 132. I mean, he's just one of the best leadoff hitters in the league. And now with that elite defense, so incredibly valuable for this Mets roster. Here's a little fun, like, guessing question for now the season's over. I like one of the best parts about Major League Baseball season ending, apart from, like, 
the crippling loneliness of not looking at box scores every day is like, <laughs> like being able to see end of season stats and like take in a full season of statistics. Like another this new is like, them. Yeah. That's like another new notch in the baseball reference, another new notch in the fangrass page. Where do you think Brandon Nimmo ranks this year in terms of F war every hitter in baseball? Ooh, I'm going to go top 25. You are correct, but do you have to be wow. more specific? 23. 20. Ooh, okay. Top 20. In between. You always in between. He's Give me the names. In between Austin Riley and Julio Rodriguez. And those guys are MVP <laughs> candidates. MVP. Julio Rodriguez, I mean, he's a beast. He's awesome. We love him. What's up, Julio, if you're listening? I doubt Julio. it, but Shout out Julio. Julio, guys. Uh, new girlfriend. Very nice. Looked like they're celebrating. Woman nice. on the Sounders, Sounders team. Nice. Good, good for Julio. Uh, Tara for pointing that one out before it was announced. He uh, He's a beast. He's sick. He's one of the most valuable players on that team. And you talk about Austin Riley, who has a legit chance, or should be in the conversation more than he really is for MVP in the National League. I mean, Brandon Nimmo doesn't get put in those conversations. He deserves to. He's great. He's so good. No, he is incredible. I mean, also, like, this was all everyone always says the same thing about Nimmo. Like, ah, doesn't he need to stay healthy for a year? He just finished the season played 151 games. Yep. And he put together, he was 35% better than league average. with Five-win player. It's, it was an unbelievable season. He's one of the premier players in baseball. And yeah, we don't, I don't want to think too far ahead, but he's probably going to get a, a sack of money dropped in his doorstep. Yeah, I believe they're going to they say secure the bag, I believe is what uh, Brendan Nimmo will be doing. Also good to see Lindor get a home run as well. I mean, like everyone, it just felt like, like you said, weight was kind of lifted off the shoulders, especially with the rain out. I think the rain out allowed, John said this earlier, I'm going to steal it from him, to kind of flush away all the bad vibes, rained him out, get out of there. You had a day off, kind of just to be with your thoughts a little bit. No baseball. The doubleheader, so much baseball you just play, and the Mets. It seems like it's exactly what the doctor ordered. Yeah, I mean, you get they got cold with just enough time to get out again. <laughs> that was the beauty of it. Only yeah. was three games. I mean, I, I said kinda, it. I kind of felt that way on Monday too. It's such yeah, bad said, weather too. Just, just flushed it out. Yeah, I said Paulo Espino, Eric Fetty, all these guys stink, and the Mets. Mets showed it. I mean, they they smacked them around. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to break down baseball wise before we cover up, uh, wrap up the SMM and just move out of the show was. Kind of the a little bit of a changing of the guard seems between Taiwan Walker and Carlos Carrasco as we head towards the playoffs. These guys each pitched one leg of the doubleheader on Tuesday and had pretty different outcomes. Carrasco, like same as the whole last month, he just couldn't really put hitters away. His velocity was down again. His spin was down the start too. Wasn't getting many swings and misses. He couldn't locate the changeup. The fastball was in the middle of the zone far too often. There was a there was kind of a tense moment in the middle of this game where you're like, oh, I really hope Carlos Carrasco doesn't you know, give up like a bunch of home runs here. And then you saw in the nightcap that Taiwan Walker just, he made, he whiffed the entire world, 14 whiffs on 44 swings is 32%. One of the high marks for the whole night. And you kind of saw him transition into a little bit of what I at least hope his role will be in the playoffs where he was stopped at 80 pitches. A little bit of that was game flow. And he also didn't have hit the best velocity of the season. He was down, but it was also the weather had something to do with that. But he threw more splitters than any other pitch in this game. His primary pitch threw it 33% of the time, 27 out of 81 pitches. He got nine whiffs on 22 swings. And Ooh. the pitch was darting left and right. I, I really think that seeing like a Taiwan Walker weapon rather than a traditional starter in this postseason roster as a 50 to 80 pitch type of guy, give me three to four innings, get around the order two times, and really just power down that four-seam fastball slither, four-splitter, four-seam fastball splitter, drop a couple other breaking balls in there, maybe a two-seamer if you really, really need to get a called strike. I think that what we've seen over him for the last month, just the way his K rate has trickled up, the way his riff rate has trickled up, the way his repertoire has changed, I've told you guys a lot about recently. I think that this is someone who could 
be very important to us. Maybe because you know, guys, know how these playoff series go. Like if a pitcher's not pitching well early in the game, you yeah. kind of have to yank him out and move on. And you need one of these guys who can give you length and keep you in the game, let you hang around enough to make something happen. Taiwan suddenly looks like that guy. And he's someone I would have confidence in, in that role. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, Taiwan pitching like he has is definitely super important to this team. Can't have too much pitching depth, especially with Trevor Williams, who just pitched how many innings today? Did he did he finish the game? No, he threw six. Oh, yeah, yeah. Threw six innings, and I think he threw 79 pitches. So you got to assume he's not going to have maybe any more pitches left in him for maybe this upcoming weekend. We don't know what the plan is. We don't know how. He's probably got a rubber arm if I had to guess, but having that ability to be maybe be a long guy would be huge. Because it seems like the way they use Trevor Williams today, I would give us an indi- indication he's not going to be on the wildcard roster. Like, I had to guess. The guys who pitched the most today, the Mariners did that pretty skillfully. We're talking about the playoffs, talk about this more tomorrow, but they did that skillfully with Marco Gonzalez. Basically said, we're going to have Marco pitch as much as we can because he's not going to be in the wildcard roster, but he's going to get us to that game so everyone else is as ready as they could possibly be. It seems like Trevor Williams did fill that out. Talk about that tomorrow, but yeah, keep it moving. And they p- pitched Luis Torrens, too, and he got the win against the Tigers. I can't believe that was allowed. Again, in these fantasy games, things are tight this time of year. And I had Seawald that was dying for a strikeout, saves, Ks. And it's, I'm like, all right, nice tie game. That's an easy way to cheap yeah. out a win in with a relief pitcher in fantasy, especially with the extra inning rule. Seawald see Luis Torrens on the mound. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, Seawald K's hurt you double. Dude, he struck out like 8% of batters over his last six appearances. Hey, listen, man. He completely fell apart. You you maloiked him. Rat. He's a rat. Ever ever since I went back to hating him, things have been great for, well, the opposite for him, I guess. He's been exactly what I wanted him to be. I have two more things I wanted to mention that are a little bit rare. Or three, actually. Three. three. One, funny story about being at the game tonight. I think you'll enjoy this. So I went there with my dad. Mr. Arena, uh, Frank Arena, and Chucky Murray, Mr. Murray. So they were, you know, throwing out the T-shirts and stuff like that. We're sitting around. Mr. Murray's having a good time. A T-shirt comes into our vicinity, and a guy, another another gentleman who's like in his 50s, sitting in front of us, maybe in his 60s, I don't know, sitting in front of us, goes to grab it, and Mr. Murray mossed him. He just went over him and just ripped it out of his hand. The guy afterwards looked back at him like he saw a ghost, like he couldn't <laughs> believe it happened. And he was, do- he was doing this with his shoulder. <laughs> he he might have tweaked something a little bit. Mr. Oh. Murray was losing it. The guy who was sitting next to the guy who didn't get it turned around and was like, you just mossed him. You mossed <laughs> him for the T-shirt. It was hilarious, really funny. As well as another thing I noticed in the game, this has nothing to do with the Mets, but I have to say it. Hunter Harvey throws 100 miles an hour. That's a thing. I didn't know that. He always has, but it's a live arm. He doesn't know where it's going. Super live arm. He looked disgusting. And the third and final thing, which I think truly is probably the highlight of this entire series, was producer John being the ball boy in the game one of of the doubleheader. We're going to bring in John here. And uh, John. Uh, John's blushing. Look at him. John, you got got your moment. How did it feel? (laughs) What's up, guys? Um, how did it feel? It was it was crazy. It was awesome. You know, it was uh, out of the blue, and it was fascinating to be on the field and really like see these guys perform their craft. It's just such an art form, and you know, it's crazy. Like I watch most of the games from the control room, so I have that vantage point, and you know, fans sit all over the place. I used to sit all over the place. It's just not the same when you're down on that same playing surface as them. Like Mark Hanna made a sliding catch yesterday in the middle innings of the game. And, you know, it was a wet track, so that kind of helped keep him moving like a slip and slide. But 
which is so impressive the way you track the ball off the bat. Um, you know, the, the, the power with, with, uh, you know, with which he ran, it's just crazy. They're incredible athletes seeing, uh, the Francisco Lindor leaping catch on that line drive early in the game. That was insane to see from my vantage point. So, um, when you said, uh, to appreciate their craft, I thought you were talking about the ball boys craft at first. And then you started talking, I was like, Oh, the guys on the field. Yeah. That makes way more sense. Well, okay. So yeah, that's a good transition to the next thing I yes. want to say about the experience. Yeah. It's, um, it's a more challenging task than people realize because there is so much pressure. There is a world of pressure to please everybody down there. And like, so when the game first started yesterday, the weather wasn't great. It was 410, single admission. So people can come whenever they want. You want to stay for 16 innings, 14 innings, all 18. It's your choice, same price. So obviously it's a later arriving crowd. Early on, there's like 10 people down by where I'm stationed. And I was able to give all of them a ball. No problem. They got there early. That's what you get. Then it starts getting more crowded. And then some schools let out. And then all of a sudden there's like, what feels like 200 kids packed in <laughs> and it's everyone's birthday. It's everyone's <laughs> birthday or like everyone's from a foreign country and you just like can't make everyone happy because there aren't that many balls coming your way to hand to fans. And every time there is one, you know that you're letting down like 99% of them. <laughs> Only one of them is actually satisfied by your work and everyone else hates you and is not afraid to let you know. So, so that was a challenge and I had a hard time coping with that for a few innings there, but eventually I realized come to the territory. Yeah. I mean, we got a video from uh, will the social media going down there and you're telling everyone like, there's going to be plenty of balls for everybody. Very, very, very professional, John. It seemed like a natural. Yeah. Well, so shout out Ildemero Vargas, who um, was actually at city field opening day playing for the diamondbacks. Oh. Um, and he was the Nationals' third baseman yesterday. And what was cool is every time a Met got a hit, uh, the Nationals would kind of go around the horn loosely. It would always end up with Ildemero. And then uh, they would put the ball out of play. You know, someone would throw their arms up. Ball would be put out of play. Corey Abbott was the starter, so he was the one putting the ball out of play a lot early on. And Ildemero Vargas would turn to me, and he would throw the ball my way. Um, so two things on that front. Number one, Ildemero Vargas – Good hitter. He was short hopping me left and right. He's making me look bad. Wow. <laughs> He's making me look bad. <laughs> Challenging hops. Some I don't know if they're going to come up in betweeners. It wasn't, wasn't helpful. Um, but number two, he was actually providing a lot of the balls, which was cool because there were really only like three or four actually hit to me. Um, one of which you you guys you guys will show in a, in a few yes. moments. But yeah, so he was actually hooking it up with a lot of fans, which was cool that he was doing that. Okay, Ildemaro, not only yeah. a legendary name, a legendary legendary player, I will give him that. A legendary person. Yeah, legendary person. That's that's better, I think. I, I can't speak to his legendary actual play too much. All right. So, James, I've I've seen part of this clip. Do we want do we want We want to start with the good or the bad? I assume they're all bad. No, there's some good. There's some, John made a nice play. John, you know what? Let's start off with the good. Let's give John the nice play before we have a, a really fun time here. So, we're going to leather. Yeah, this is also going to play for you guys. I suggest legitimately going to the YouTube channel and watching this so you can actually see the video. It's You'll be able, to hear the, be able to hear the audio as well. Very bad radio. <laughs> uh, here we go. So let's start off. Foul to the left. Thomas getting a lot of good cuts here. Ooh, nice play. Ball. Two hands on it, too. Show the ball off. Play by John Barron. 
John's going to get a lot of kidding about Double that. flap. <laughs> you can't just let him get away with good play. Is. Just be nice. Smile ear to ear. <laughs> that's that's the biggest it. smile I've ever seen you have. Find ever. a way to tease him somehow. <laughs> So John, oh, oh, and then he, and then we, and then he's looking, he's ready. He listen, John wasn't sleeping. He was ready to go. He was making no. plays. That was a good hop, John. Nice clean play. Good form. Two hands yeah. as well. Got to appreciate yeah. that. And a shout out from Wayne and Howie, friends of the pod. Good friends. Definitely, of the pod. definitely. Yeah, no, that was by far the easiest play. Shout out Jim Wolf. He gave me some credit after that. Uh, <laughs> so that was cool. Him getting involved in the whole thing. But all right, Mark, you got the other, you got the back. Okay. Yeah. There. So this one, this one's incredible. This is awesome. All right. Here we go. That's what you ask. Let's, uh, really let's add it to Adam the stream. Swings, pulls one foul wide of third. It's grabbed by Gary DeSarcina, the Nationals look. third base coach and former Mets third base Keep coach. Keep John. Two. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Oh, run past the ball, it. But down the line. <laughs> Toward the ball, dude, who missed the throw. <laughs> the ball and it was dude. rolling at the time. Not a good play down there. <laughs> so yeah, you guys, you guys know what happened. Go on YouTube and watch that. <laughs> it, rolled, it rolled. Right. <laughs> that was Johnny Buckner. Oh my God! Another rolling at the time. The <laughs> all right. First of all, that's brutal. Stiff hips, John. Really stiff hips. <laughs> good hustle, though. Great hustle. I'll get. And fantastic hustle. Haven't seen that from ball boys all year. I gotta say. Yeah. Well, when that I'll ball do it especially. By, yeah. Well, uh, when that ball gets by me, the only thing I'm thinking is like, oh my god, is Carlos Carrasco trying to throw a pitch, and I'm holding <laughs> up the game. <laughs> so my 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 thought was like, run past the ball, beat it to a spot, and then like block it with your body and just usher it out of play so they can keep the game going. It's and I nearly. <laughs> I nearly stepped on the ball and fell on it, which would have oh, been John. Just a, a <laughs> if only. <laughs> if only. No, not if only. Those are <laughs> those are my three thoughts when I found out I was doing it. Was like, don't get involved in the game. Don't yeah. screw the game up at all. You know, which then lends itself to do not pick up a fair ball, please, for the <laughs> love of God, do not pick up a fair ball, and um, don't have an embarrassing moment that's going to wind up anywhere and. I didn't even know the Nationals broadcast picked up on that until today. You know, like everyone had a good time in park uh, yesterday during the game. Caesars betters box was how many misplays I would commit. Um, <laughs> you know, like that was all fun. And then the Nationals actually picked this up. So I'm really praying that this doesn't actually go anywhere else because I'm not. I mean, that's, that's rough. I, I think that's we got to give you credit. We got to give you credit, though. You were handling it like a champ. Many, many of people would not be taking it in stride, John, and you're, you're handling it very well. And best part, luckily for you, I don't think anyone watches Nationals broadcast. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I guess I, I guess at this time of the year, maybe, you know, they're getting ready for capital season in D.C., but who <laughs> would Wizards, be? The Wizards, Bradley Beal, Wizards you know. Yeah. Are they supposed to be good this year, the Wizards? I think Christos Porzingis might still be on that team. Uh, oh, that, sounds, that sounds about right. But, um, but this yeah, – Hopefully, hopefully, because now we've had conversations about the ball boy thing, and it looks like this is maybe a more fluid job than we once knew. I think next year, and this is a perfect segue into the estimate, I think next year you got to get me and James left field, right field for an estimate oh, in 2023. That would be awesome. Like if we could set up some in-game communications between you guys. We like we like switch on every inning, go different sides of the field. <laughs> that would be really cool. Yeah, no, we'll definitely – We'll definitely, uh, you know, try to plan that out. I think that I, I think I pitched this earlier this season. I think it would be awesome, not just for the Mets, but any baseball teams, to have talented 
ball boys and boy girl, a ball girls were like, you know, middle of an inning, like all of a sudden they just break out and do a little, little break dance routine on the track there. And no one saw it coming. Like that's top notch in stadium entertainment. So I don't Won't know if me, you guys can break dance at all. <laughs> no, uh, maybe not, you can well. take some take some classes during the offseason. Get yourselves ready for this. Just middle of the third inning, do the worm <laughs> behind first like base. Yeah. I think the Astros have a security guy who does yes. that. Yes, yeah. they do. I was about yeah. to say that, and I don't know. I'm I like the shock value factor. I think that that really goes a long way. A good a good flash. What's it called? The flash dance or uh, yeah, flash yeah. mob, flash dance, flash mob, flash mob. Yeah, flash dance. That doesn't sound right. Um, <laughs> Internet trends of 2012 with John Barron. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, well, you guys should do some planking. Um, but also, <laughs> all right. <laughs> let's just get right into it. Let's, yeah, let's get, get right to the estimate it. because this is amazing. What happened? It's amazing. It's crazy. the The story of the estimate. We talked about a roller coaster of a season for the Mets. That wasn't even necessarily true, but it has been a roller coaster of a season for the estimate because James had an early lead. It was squandered. He was down. He was down two with two to go. I get up against the wall, and by an absolute botch job by me, almost two botch jobs. I almost just walked into it. Yeah, I mean, but. You thought that John's question was only about the Mets. The Mets themselves did put up 19 runs in this series. That's why. That's why I'm 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 really okay. I did not deserve to win this one either way, whether it was a misunderstanding or not. Uh, James has now tied it up, which means the tiebreaker. Yeah. So full exposure. When when we first started playing this game, uh, and James got off to his crazy big lead. I was like, oh, shucks, like this kind of stinks. This could have been fun and like it's over now. Like James has run away with this and this is not even entertaining anymore. And I wouldn't be surprised if some if some listeners were out there thinking like this was a fix. This was rigged. They did this on purpose. No, this is so not rigged. This actually happened. Could've this actually happened. I was freaking like, out during the Marlins series in the booth trying to make sure I got the, I got the right amount of pitching changes. Yeah, like this actually happened. I guess the one controversial moment – is the Diaz brothers situation? Sure. You know, Kyle Schwarber had one plate appearance in a series. It was it washed. True. So things true. even out. Things do even out. Other well, fans um, love them. Yeah, and you know, look, the fans voted, and it's all about the fans. It's all about oh, the listeners. Yeah. So you know, who could argue with that? For the people. But, um, yeah, this was authentic. This was genuine. This was wild. They're going to make an ESPN classic <laughs> documentary about this one day, quite possibly. Like, I cannot wrap my head around this. And then today, if a rainout happens, yeah, I was dead. If any also, rain outs they, I knew they were always going to play 162. The fact that they made the Blue Jays play doubleheader today means that they were not giving anybody 161. That also plays on a lot of the things that were discussed over the winter between the players and the owners and the way the TV deals have their dealings with these teams. But we were getting 162, and I knew once they stepped in the field today, I had it. Yeah. I, when, yeah. When, when the it rain the delay was inning. happening, when the rain delay was happening, I was like, it might work. It might work. Like I'm already at the stadium, but it's okay. I'm all right to go home. It's 10 minutes. My dad's here. He'll drive me. <laughs> I was telling everyone about it too. I told everyone in my office that I told a friend I was hanging out with today too. It was like, oh, yeah, people... friend. What? No, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Ali. She's going to listen. But um, no, it's funny. Like everyone, everyone was locked into it. My dad's been asking me about it. My mom too. My sister, like people love the estimate. It was a great uh, idea. Shout out to you, John. That's, that's no, all on producer John there. Johnny stats, Johnny, what was Johnny Buckner? No, Johnny, no Johnny we're not going to let that. No, uh, <laughs> one of one of our guys at City, uh, Dylan. Shout out, Dylan. You've definitely, you guys have seen him all over the place. He was calling me Johnny Five Hole. Oh, uh, that one has to hurt yeah. as a hockey fan. 
your Johnny Balls. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to nip that one in the bud. I I just don't want that one to gain any traction, any steam. It's really but, um, any two syllable f- word or phrase. Johnny Five Hole works. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Johnny Scampers. Johnny mm, Scampers. I don't like I'm, that one. That one's a yeah. reach. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, no, you guys made it fun. And look, you guys did a great job. I mean, there were some weeks where or episodes where you nailed it. Like you guys were Vegas setting a great line. We were racing kind of for a lot of these. Yeah. You attendance in Miami, we were on that. It was, it was so close. So cash, buddy. Like that's let me tell you, if they ever if they ever need our help, they know where to find us. <laughs> they did. They found <laughs> it happened. Yeah. No, you guys definitely have a, a good track record. And, um, you know, obviously moving forward, we'll think of more fun, bigger and better things to do, more punishments for you guys. Um, you know, I love screwing with you guys. Actually, there was one anonymous listener who approached me, no joke, on Sunday. I'm, I'm not going to tell you who. And said, hey, John. And I was like, hey. And they were like, you got to get James to shave his beard. That's not true. And I, oh, I know no, who it is. I, I, I swear to, I swear that actually so, happened. So How do you know, know who it was? Oh, I know who it was. I was standing right next to him. Yeah, I, I promise you, you I'm know not going to reveal. I'm not going to reveal. I'm not. And Mark, please also just don't even don't even entertain these questions. It's not no, no. a game of guess who. No. Um, <laughs> we're not telling you, but this actually happened. So that's the goal moving forward is to put you in a spot like tomorrow when we're recording something that you guys will talk about in a sec. Hey, if X, then Y, and then we'll see what James says. But so wait, <laughs> just just to clarify, and I guess wrap up the estimate here real quick. What exactly is our plan for deciding the tiebreaker? Because I think we said a push-up contest, right? Is it just going to be yeah. push-ups? What's going on? So we did say push-up contest, and I was thinking to myself, like, well, you know what would be more fun than that is just a full-blown, like, triathlon or decathlon or something around City Field when the season's over, <laughs> and we can, you know, maybe use some, some of the cool real estate there. So I'm thinking we go with that, and we have some time to plan because luckily we have playoff baseball ahead of us, which is awesome. Yep. So we're all going to shift our attention to that. And then after, when the dust settles and, you know, we've all had time to decompress and think, uh, it's showtime for you guys. So I guess this can be a time for enjoying Met Playoff Baseball and getting some training in for a massive, massive event. <laughs> Let me tell you. Now. Mark, has, Mark told me a month ago he went to the gym twice. That's kind of big. I went to it twice. Have, I have not been since that, sec- that day I told you, I don't think. It's just... I'm not even kidding. I've like stopped doing like my regular push-up routine for the last couple of days because I don't want to be sore. It's just in case you did this on Thursday. Nice, so I'll, nice. I'll get I'll, I'll get back in the gym now. It gives me time to work on my on my form. It's all form yeah. push-ups. We know that. Your, your pecs and your lats. Yeah. Of course. Big, big workout guy over here. Uh man. All right. Well, at least I don't have to sweat out anything during the postseason because we can just like you said, just enjoy postseason baseball. John, thank you for the estimate. We appreciate you. We're gonna wrap this one up here. And uh, put a nice bow on the end of the regular season. Anything else we, we want to talk about here? Uh, I just I mean, quickly, I think it's a good thing to do at the end of the regular season for us to realize like how many amazing things that have happened. If you just want yeah. to rattle off some of the best games or series that you recall from the year, I have a little list that I want to start with too, just to give, give Mets fans a reason to kind of look back on the last five months with a smile. Yeah, since April 7th. Remember when we didn't have baseball and it started late April 7th? I mean, there was a lot going on, and I feel like the first big game of the year, of course, that I, I particularly remember that sticks out the most has to be the game against the Phillies, the massive comeback in the ninth inning. That yeah. was just, that was unbelievable. That was, that was incredible. That was kind of the click moment when you're like, this team probably has something different than the ones we've seen in the past. You even mentioned opening day briefly. I think that it's understated now. We're so far past it. How far it went that Tyler McGill like set the standard on opening day 
with Jacob DeGrom being injured, being out for an unspecified amount of time, and Max Scherzer also mm-hmm. getting injured, having to be pushed back at the end of spring training. Him showing up on opening day, of course, it was against a lowly national team that was perceived to be a little bit better back in April. They also had one, so though. And Josh Bell. And Josh Bell. I think that him walking out there and like looking like a stud really showed every like just everybody else that like this team kind of had some some metal. Yeah, that was an oh oh the Mets Mets are like that. Oh okay, yes. God, they got it like that. All right, I see. Yeah, I For mean, sure. it, it really was. It really was a great season. 101 wins, second most in Mets franchise history, the most we've ever seen in our lifetimes. And there were so many great ones. And I do think that Philly one started off. What what was another big one for you, dude? Before the Philly one, the Cardinal one. Came back yes, four runs yes. down the ninth inning. The Arenado error. That was a massive, massive game. Wow, right that after, was that huge. Was oh my yes. god! Oh. Right before we even fought them, that was crazy. Oh my yes. goodness! That was before remember the Phillies. Was the home opener? Remember Robinson Cano hit a home run yes. at the home opener <laughs> and Lindor. Oh my god! Shout out to Cohen's. We were hanging out with them. That was a magical, magical day. Yeah, that was um, awesome. The Eduardo Escobar cycle against San Diego in a very that late was- night. The midnight Mets. That was a great one. That was awesome. Uh, the, uh, Patrick Masiga. Patrick Masiga against the Mariners. Oh, my God. Patrick Andres Ulino. Munoz. Yeah, it's the, the namesake of my firstborn son. After I was talking about Andres Munoz at length on the podcast <laughs> before the preview, and he gives up a home run to Patrick Masiga. Andres Munoz has been, like, far and away the second-best reliever in baseball this year. He had that point before it untouchable, after it untouchable. Yes, Patrick Masiga just existed in the middle. <laughs> Let's see some other funny ones I have here. That Dodgers game, the Sunday in Los Angeles, after the Mets lost the first two to Tony Gonson and Tyler Anderson, couldn't get a hit, won a grinded out game on Saturday, and then came out with a huge win that Sunday. And Donis Medina save in LA against the Dodgers. Yep. That was a massive moment. It was like, all right, the Mets, the Mets are on top of this. Dude, this that Saturday, more- that Saturday game too against the Dodgers, where they were down four one in the second inning, yeah. and then they just put up four in the third and just immediately responded. It was great. Francisco Lindor just getting very hot to open the season. He had the walk-off hit in that first series against the Giants. He had two home runs in the home opener. It's just setting the tone for him to have an MVP caliber type season. Also, I remember before that Dodgers series, before that big West Coast trip that we all circled, the Mets had a series against the Nationals where they outscored them 28 to 5 in three yeah, games. That was a big one. That was, that a, was a huge one. one. Just like, here's like, all right, you feel some juice now. Guys are doing it. How about Keith Hernandez day where Brandon Nimmo hits the ball back to Tanner Scott, who completely had a freak out and couldn't throw it away. And that was when that's when people were getting a little too curmudgeon way too early in the season, like whining. We had the people in front of us. Remember, like they left and everything went better. They sucked. Those old people. Uh, The old timers day was incredible as well. Winning that game, being part of those festivities. Uh, Jacob deGrom's first start in city field in more than a year was electric. Simple man against the Braves. He had like 12 strikeouts. Oh, uh, the, the series in Chicago against the Cubs. I know Cubs yeah. are a little bit of a sore subject, but the Eduardo Escobar making that play to J.D. Davis, Davis at first with the scoop. I mean, they had two extra inning wins in that series against the Cubs. A lot of great baseball played out there. They they handed two losses to Michael Givens, who is now on the team yeah. in that series. <laughs> uh, the Nick Plummer game. Remember the Nick Plummer oh game that killed God. Joe Girardi? Got the Phillies to the playoffs? Literally, Nick Joe Gir- or not Joe Girardi. The Phillies owner should give Nick Plummer some sort of present because oh, an award. <laughs> they they fired Joe Girardi after that, and that ended up being the best decision they made. By the way, Michael Givens has three losses on the season. Two of them came against the Mets. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, he came back today. I think he might really be on this roster. Definitely, definitely. I mean, like, uh, if, as long as he's oh, feeling we'll talk about up this, tomorrow. We'll talk about yeah, we'll talk tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. A couple more, a couple more here. Um, Degrom versus Nola that Saturday night game. Two, it uh, was one nothing or two one. 
just that classic freaking old school pitchers duel where no one could get an edge. It's just two yep. of the best pitchers nationally going at it. Nola, I feel like, kind of should be getting more shine for Cy Young, if I'm being honest. Yeah, you're a Nola sympathizer. He's really good, but he shouldn't be getting the Cy Young shine. I don't know. He's There's crazy four guys. guys that are way better than him right now. Maybe three. I don't know. He's really close to Sandy in the innings, and he's been almost as effective. Because, I mean, he's done, he's got the Phillies issue where the FIP is great and the ERA is not. That was awesome. Yeah. Play, yeah. Plays in the band box, too, as opposed to Sandy Alcantara, who plays in the polo grounds. Ugh. Don't uh, care. I'm, I'm, I'm an old guy. I mean, I, I, I got to put the fandom aside sometimes. I see great pitching. Uh, how about the game against the Phillies in Philadelphia on Sunday. that on that Sunday where they came back late and they had the craziness? Yeah. Nate Fisher, the legend. Yes, Nate Fisher. When I scared Nate. the when I scared the the couple in Williamsburg cursing, <laughs> listening to Howie my him <laughs> in my ears. Yeah. It was a nice Sunday afternoon. You have the series against the Dodgers, Edwin Diaz, Timmy Trumpets, the, yeah. all that stuff going on. The rally bun was born. The rally bun. The subway, yeah, that was a big that day, that Thursday, 4 o'clock game. The, Sunday, the, the subway series series at home. It's talking about Tay Walkoff. That was awesome. That was an incredible moment that we got to spend. Oh, man, there were so many good games this year. This was such a good year at Mets baseball. And we also went Red- to, like, we think we conservatively went to 40, 45 games. Ooh, I think, I think we're going to be closer to 60. At least maybe myself. I think yeah. I, I don't know. You were at most of the You didn't really go that many without me. I went to a bunch without you, too. Yeah. I, I bet you we were probably around the 60 mark. 50, uh, all things considered. Yeah, 55 to 65, I think. We were probably sprinkled in there, which is definitely the most games I've ever been to in my life. I even remember, like, all the way back. It feels like a lifetime ago. That One of those first home series against the Giants where Rodon threw that gem. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, that was a long time ago. We were sitting with trouble, Pin Man. Sitting in Carlos Rodon's seats for the yeah. game. <laughs> You got steak with him the night before. Yeah, I had a, had a steak dinner with him when the game got rained out. Nice guy. Oh, man. What a really great season of baseball, man. Great season. Matt, it's so funny, too, because, like, man, I appreciate the players playing this season out because going to 60 games was tiring. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine playing in all the home – just playing in all the home games. Tiring. And then you travel, and then you come back. Like, the baseball season is insane. I, I don't – it's got to be one of the – craziest athletic feats despite like baseball not necessarily being the most physical sport you know it's just nuts to play 162 games in what 180 days or whatever it is yeah it's, it's great all, all the traveling i've gained so much more respect for everyone it's like the players are always new just were like freaks of nature but like seeing them day in day out was crazy seeing everyone who's a part of the stadium production the people who work like work everywhere give a lot of credit there here's another funny caveat from the season we always talk about the schedule the Mets, the Mets stopped playing the Arizona Diamondbacks on, on April 24th this year. That's awesome. That team got so hot in the second they half. They did. What a great, what a great little, little thing that we got to benefit from. And they were so bad at the beginning of the year. So bad. They were like 20 and 35. I mean, we, we interviewed Max Scherzer this year. We yeah. interviewed so many different players. Got to talk to so many different people. Pretty incredible experience working as the podcast host for the New York Mets. That's still something that's insane to say out loud. I mean... What, what a year. What a year. Great year. Great year for us. And you know what? Might just be getting started. Might just be getting started because, as we know, this weekend we have the playoffs, the wild card series against the San Diego Padres. We'll be previewing that series tomorrow for you guys. So when you're listening to this, we will be recording. We will be prepping. We'll be talking. And that will be ready for you guys, hopefully late Thursday night, early Friday morning. Make sure you're following us on all our social media at MetsUp. So you don't miss out when that drops, because as soon as it does, we'll tweet it out. We'll post it everywhere so you guys don't miss it. Big playoff preview coming at you. Remember to go subscribe to New York Mets YouTube channel. That's where you can find our video version of the podcast. And so you can see John's fantastic play as the ball boy down the left field line as well. 
Thank you, John, for that. Uh, if you're listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, wherever you get your podcasts, drop us a rating, drop us a review, download and subscribe. We do appreciate you. Follow James on Twitter at James underscore Shiano. And follow me at Giraffe Mark with a C. Thank you guys for listening and watching. And we will catch you tomorrow. We know you're all listening for the playoff preview. Let's go. It's postseason time. Let's go, Mets, baby. See you guys tomorrow. Get up. Get, get up.